Last week on Thomas and the Bible, we find out that the epistles are basically first century spam letters from Paul to various Christian groups. So Romans is, big surprise, the letters to the Romans. Paul says hi, then focuses on two of God's favorite things, God's judgment and circumcision. We end up with one yawn, 14 judgments, and 25 circumcisions. Ouch. Will it get any better? Let's hope so on this week's Thomas and the Bible. Ah, uh, thanks, Kevin. Great work as usual. I love the intro. So, uh, you know, I missed something on last week's episode, something that may or may not be of interest. We were at exactly 90%. 90% of the Bible. Gosh, we're getting frighteningly close to the end. So that was when we cried. And I only know that because I, you know, I map it out on my Excel spreadsheet. I got all the page numbers and all the everything that I'm and the date that I'm supposed to do it because I had to do that to make sure I stick to that schedule back way back in a couple years ago when I started the patron and Patreon and decided to do this very regularly and never miss a week. Uh, so that's, yeah, that causes me to find out here when I look at it that 90%, 90%, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be sad when I'm done with this podcast. I'm going to have to figure out what I want to do because like, I don't know, maybe there's more we could cover more Bible topics or something, keep this podcast alive in addition to moving on to the Quran. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Just thinking aloud. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Uh, This is episode 235 of Thomas and the Bible. We are reading Romans 5 through 9, and those that refers to specific Romans. So there were only 30-some-odd Romans, and they're like, okay, Roman number 5, you, yeah, you, come over here. And uh, five through nine, and then that's specifically what this one's about. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, okay, I sort of said this last week, but in reading Romans, I I didn't know that. I I had no idea going into this project or the New Testament even that Christianity is actually just uh, Paul. It, It really, I mean, it seems to me I don't know, maybe there's going to be more stuff later on in the Bible. I don't know. I haven't read that part of the Bible at all. But it seems to me that, so Jesus came and said some stuff, right? And and, uh, he he had certain lessons. And then we just, Paul just comes and is like, okay, here's what it all meant. I'm going to tell you what it meant here. We don't need to be circumcised. Uh, Don't worry about that. Uh, Make sure to do this, do this, do this, do this. Paul, or Saul, same guy, just decided on all these things. He just like philosophized and it's interesting, like he put a lot of thought into it, but what's hilarious to me is that he comes up with all the, <laughs> this this reading, which we're about to hear, is mainly him asking him, <laughs> it's so great, he just asks himself these rhetorical questions that are actually, every single time he does it, it's like a devastating argument against him. So like, he poses the very questions that he can't really answer and then just assumes an answer. It's kind of funny. So we'll we'll see that happen. But anyway, let's get back to it. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. 
and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, Christ died for us. Much more than... So the weird thing is, I don't remember Jesus saying this. Like, I don't remember... I mean, okay, I remember Jesus saying, like, yeah, I'm going to die. But I don't remember it being for our sins. Like, it seems like this is something Paul added. But uh, I, I don't know. I I almost want to go back and study that a bit more and figure out... I'm trying to pinpoint where some of this stuff came from. But it seems like it just comes from Saul. Like, Saul... Because Saul was after everybody else. So the timeline was Jesus dies 29 or 30 uh, AD. And then the apostle, like uh, what the main gospels, Mark, Paul, whatever those ones, um, those are in like 50 or something or 60. And then this one is like 20 years later. And it's weird that Saul's Saul, I don't know if he just did, you know, like I said, some philosophizing or sat in a room for 20 years and was like, hmm, what do I, what do I make of all this? And then he just like made up a whole religion. It's just kind of crazy. Um, but, the, but it seems like that's what happened. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know, I guess. Th- so it kind of is weird that it goes straight from Jesus and the gospels to, oh, here, this is Paul. I know everything. I'm going to tell you everything. You know, it doesn't really give us an explanation for it. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, so much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that have sinned. but So that's Adam, by the way. So he's saying, this is kind of interesting. He says, here's what happened. Sin entered the world through one man, and now it's leaving the world through one man. So so Adam brought in sin, and then Jesus got rid of it. But oh wait, Adam didn't happen. So this is the thing that drives me crazy, because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, well, Genesis is it's not real. It's not actually an account of what happened. Uh, it's just obviously it's meant to be whatever. And that's like, but Adam caused all this sin. And Saul or Paul, I, I wish he just had one name. I hate people with two names. Uh, let's just go with Saul. He just decided, like, well, this is what God died for. Or God, this is what the same thing. This is what Jesus died for. It's for all the sin that Adam brought into the world. And then, you know, when people want to say, when Christians want to say, no, Adam didn't really exist, they, basically Christians can't say that. The long story short, Christians cannot say Adam did not exist. Otherwise, it completely ruins the entire New Testament. Because Paul, I just said I'd go with Saul, but now I'm saying Paul. <laughs> Sorry. Paul, uh, Paul Saul, Pasal. I'm going to call him Pasal from now on. And that's, is that where the Psalms come from? No. I'm going to say Pasal just decided all this stuff and and he can't have been wrong like if if Pasal was fallible as in not infallible if he was wrong about this then so much of the new testament and the religion would be called into question because all of this sacrifice crap and the sin crap and all this all this jesusy stuff 
uh, is coming from Pasal. All right. Anyway, uh, wherefore, no, I read that. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So that's interesting. That's another, there's a lot of interesting claims in here. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For though the offense of one many be dead, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Just some poetry, it really, doesn't really mean anything. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one ju- this is unreadable, by the offense of one judgment came all men to condemnation, which is idiotic, by the way. That's original sin for you. Even so, by the righteousness of one... So just as stupid. <laughs> you know, Saul makes a good point. If he, if he changed this to say, hey, you know how idiotic it was that one person, Adam, could somehow sin for all of humanity? Well, I got good news. By that same dumbass logic, one man, Jesus, can just fix everybody's sins. So it's like, ah... Uh, Sort of no harm, no foul, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, even though it made no sense initially when God came up with this whole system, he's like, I messed up with Adam. I get it. You know what? I messed up. I'm going to go ahead and do some weird thing here where I'm going to, I'm going to make up for that. It's a bookkeeping thing. The problem is I just, <laughs> it needs to look even on the books. So I messed up with Adam. I'm just going to allow Jesus to just die for all your sins. I know it doesn't make sense. It's just an accounting thing, okay? And then when I do that, my uh, my accounting software, in terms of sins, it will read zero, a net zero. You know, I'm just going to back it out, you know, with Jesus. So it came in with one guy. It's going out with one guy, Jesus. It's done. That That actually makes more sense than any other explanation I've ever heard. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, (sighs) grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> this is so this is one of those times and it's a little more clear in the New Testament or in the New in the NIV in the New International Version which I I read this in the NIV because the language is so terrible it's it's very hard to understand. It's uh, but you know, we're 90% through the Bible with the King James so I I we're stuck with it. But anyway, it's so funny what he does here. This is what I was saying early on. He's like, look, Jesus, Jesus's death atoned for all our sins. And then he says, now, since Jesus atoned for all our sins, should we just, he asks a rhetorical question, should we just sin as, as much as possible so that, you know, like it makes, it's like the Simpsons joke, or it's probably a very old joke. Should we sin to, to not let Jesus's sacrifice go to waste? And then he just says, no, 
<laughs> and that's what he does frequently. He'll think of the the best objection, which is like, well, if we're all if we're all free from sin by Jesus's death, then you know, like, well, why don't we just sin? Sin all we want. It's it's covered. We're all he he got. He said, <laughs> Jesus got out his wallet and was like, I got this. You're covered. It's on me. And then, so why not order as many drinks as possible at the bar? And then, but his answer is, God forbid. And let's see if we can follow the logic here. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should have not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also be also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. So have you detected a reason yet? Because I still haven't. So he says, so he poses the question, shouldn't we just sin as much as possible? And then he's like, no, of course not. Here's why. And then nonsense. Here's why. Uh, uh, he died and we're with him in his death. And then, uh, and then if he died because we walked together, like it's just, it's word salad as, as they say. And that's the funniest part to me. He does this like four times over the course of our reading tonight. <laughs> shouldn't we sin as much as possible? Uh, of course not. Uh, 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 I shouldn't have brought it up. Sorry. never mind. <laughs> I, I don't know why I brought that up to begin with. Just forget I said that. And, uh, I think what's happening here is it's one guy just coming up with like a, a D and D rules. No, that doesn't make sense. I don't play D and D. So that was a bad, I shouldn't have tried to make a joke, but like, it's one guy coming up with his own, um, tabletop RPG game. And then he just, he just makes up the rules. He's like, well, so you might think if this ax does five damage and the bow does four damage that then... Therefore, the axe is better. But, oh, but hold on, the uh, the the bow, it's the the range, and the the axe is magical, so that it can, like he just makes stuff. It there's no logic to it. nothing. Nothing is grounding this in reality. This is just one guy's ramblings, and he's come up with a whole system of of you know lore here that you could follow, and that Christians being the good you know. Uh, D and D players they are being in, in respect to Saul or Pasal's little tabletop game, uh, they're following the rules. Oh, okay, okay. So he says the rule is oh, we can't sin as much as we want, despite the fact that you might think we could, because then we lose points for this, <laughs> that we lose resources later on in this way. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's happening here. There's no, there are no rules except the ones that Paul is making up, and he's not bound by reality. So he can just say whatever he wants. And henceforth, we get word salad. Uh, for sin shall not have dominion over you for you. <laughs> I'm just picking a place to pick up because I have no idea where we were. There's no there's no logic to it. So how can I say where I was? Oh, I was at the part where what? Where what was? You tell me. What was the last thing I said? Who, who the hell knows? 
because it's all word salad. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded... <laughs> I like this. In the Niv, he says, like, look, I'm using, uh, you know, human examples because you guys are imperfect and you don't understand these things. So I'm using earthly examples. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. So that, I don't know that I would have understood that had I not read the Niv. For as ye have aided... Sorry, yielded your members' servants to the uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield our members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, go, uh, sorry, you, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have any idea what the F he was just talking about? Because I don't. Romans 7. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth, for the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress and likely burned to death or stoned or whatever. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now, what? <laughs> what? For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Does that, is that sexual or is it just me? But anyway, but now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. What? Concupiscence. Oh, I gotta look up that word. Wow, concupiscence is strong sexual desire or lust. Huh. Anyway, for without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. What uh, was then that which was good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment 
might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, that do I not, but what I hate that do I. Oh my God. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Oh my God. So this was actually, okay, again, I had to read the version that's English instead of this, because this is nonsense. This is actually kind of funny, because he sa- he was saying essentially, um the only reason he does bad things is because there's like sin living in him, which I have to say, like, doesn't that mean we're not really guilty then? It's kind of a weird, they, this is the most ass backwards view of the world. According to Pasal, through Adam, sin entered the world and then sin makes us do bad stuff, but, and therefore we should be punished. (laughs) Like, isn't that the, that's like saying I have a tumor that is on my brain that's making me kill people and therefore I should be killed when when you have fully easily uh, a way to just remove the tumor like that that's what you know what I mean that that's what the equivalent is like the, God gave us a tumor that causes us to kill people and then is like what are you doing why are you killing people and then he's like well you need to worship me to believe in me to you know make it okay that you're killing people. Whereas, you know, the doctor would say, why not just uh, take care of that tumor? I would just get rid of it to begin with. Now, uh, I don't, again, once again, I don't know where I was because all these words mean nothing. Oh, okay, here I was. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So sin is in your genitals. I, I seriously think this might be what he's saying. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. This is this is just... So this really is the classic stupid message of Christianity, which is that your genitals are the bad parts and like anything you want to do with those is naughty and is bad and God doesn't like it. And then, you know, but it's, but in your brain, you know, it's wrong, you know, so you're, you're worshiping God in your brain, but sin caused your naughty parts to want to do bad things. It's, it's, this is ridiculous. This is something a, uh, nine-year-old would think of. I mean, it really, it's ridiculous. And, and this, this attitude I, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, what we're reading is the cause of so much more unhappiness on earth than maybe anything else. I mean, think of how many, I mean, these attitudes would have existed, I guess, but if not for Pasal really codifying it and, and making it into just this divine thing, truth that we all need to follow, uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know what the world would be like. It would be a lot different. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ hath made, uh, sorry, Christ Jesus, I don't know why it's 
anyway, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. It's just, the logicking here is just incredible. It's, it's something I cannot relate to in the slightest bit. It's just creating this weird, just random, uh, like I said, sort of like a, a, a tabletop RPG something or other, like just creating all these weird rules, but not to have fun with some friends. This is life or death. <laughs> that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the, after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit do uh, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if... But if you, this is so, oh my God, I I hate this. I hate this. Anyway, but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness in our within our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Sure, sure. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Uh, yeah, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know that we sh- what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, 
because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among the brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he... I, I don't know what to say, guys. I, I apologize on behalf of Saul, because this is unreadable. It really is. This is absolutely unreadable. What shall then we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Good little quote there, I guess. He that spared not his own son, but again, again with the own son. Yeah, where did he get that son? He made it. He made his son instantly and easily. There's no sacrifice there. That's, that's a nothing sacrifice. It's like me saying, I gave up my own pocket lint for something. It's like, nah, there's just, I have plenty of pocket lint. I could reach into my pocket. I'm sure there's more lint right now as we speak. There's no, there's no sacrifice whatsoever in that. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, Romans 9. I'm I'm really struggling, guys. This is some of the worst crap I've ever read. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is all over, God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So, I think this is saying, because oftentimes God promised like, oh, the children of Isaac or the descendants of Abraham or God knows who, whoever the current prophet, the prophet du jour was, he's like, oh, you shall be the chosen whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think this is him saying, I'm getting rid of that. Why? Because I decided I'm Pasal. I'm in charge of all of Christianity, apparently. And he says, uh, it's just, just have faith or something. Like whoever has faith in Jesus, then you're fine. 
That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. Oh, I read that. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. So again, once again, there's the, you can tell the question he asks himself is, it stumps him every time. He asks himself a stumping question, which is, I mean, that's commendable at least to ask the question and to say like, ah, I don't know. But his answer is always like, God forbid, like, no, <laughs> Should he, his question is like, is God a kind of an asshole for this particular example? No. <laughs> Even though he like, he, he like, he, I think this has to do with Jacob and Esau, which he like blessed Jacob, but not, you know, that whole thing, whatever the heck that was. I think Esau stole or Jacob stole the birthright from Esau and all that. So, but anyway, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that sheweth mercy. For the scripture said unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might shew my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will be hardened. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Yes, yes, yes. It absolutely should. Once again, every single hypothetical question is unanswerable. It's it's like an unassailable. That is perfect. Yes, if I design a robot to do nothing but suffer and and like kill people and sin and whatever, and I define the parameters, yes, that robot, the minute he becomes self-aware, should be like, dude, what the, why did you make me like this? What the hell were you thinking? Why didn't you just make me a nice robot that, you know, could like do nothing but feel pleasure all day? That would be a good robot to be. Why did you make me this robot? Wow. But he asks it as though it's this obvious thing, like, well, hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to shew his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only, but of also of the Gentiles? That was a question, apparently. As he saith also in O.C., I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. Esaias also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work, and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Esaias said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, 
we had been as Sodoma and had been made like unto Gomorrah. What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it, as it is written. Well, could it also be that because Jesus hadn't come around yet? So he's saying like, why did the Israelites fail? Because they tried to follow the law. <laughs> you can't follow all that law that they did. You know, like the, a million commandments. He's like, that was foolish. They should have just done it by faith. Well, wait a minute. Jesus didn't exist back then. He hadn't come and died for them. I, I guess Pasal is arguing like God sent Jesus because the Israelites were failing at the law, maybe. But like, didn't God foresee that? Didn't he know that? Would? Anyway, it's all stupid. Wherefore, because they sought not by faith, but as it were by the works of law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. As it is written, behold, I lay a scion in a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth, believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Well, that was some of the most annoying reading, but there's some funny, interesting stuff in there. It's just in the midst of really tough, impossible, stupid language. Um, so I kind of wish we were reading the Niv, but sorry about that. Maybe I'll do the whole podcast again, but the Niv. <laughs> Can you imagine? Five five more years later. Oh, man. All right. I want to thank you guys so, so much for listening. I have the best listeners. I love you guys. Um, I also have the best patrons. I want to, th I think I got some new patrons. Let's check it out here. We've got Dennis Griffin. Thank you very much, Dennis Griffin. We've got Kev Bo. That's, uh, Kev Bo is the guy who does the intros. So thank you, Kev Bo, for the pledge. Uh, great example there. And then also we've got B. Arthur's Cock. <laughs> that's the name I've been given. So, uh, that's the name uh, I'm going to read. That's that. The, hey, if you pledge, if you pledge to the show at patreon.com slash TN the B and you do a name like that, I'm going to read it. I don't care what it is. Sorry. You pledged, you earned it. Uh, also, I'd like to thank my top patrons. Of course, John Bodley, Chris Lukowski, Marcel, Sarah McPike, Japan, Dan, Stacey Sweeney, George Green, Charles Bangwiener, Tom, Tom Chambers, Brian Gerfort, Lee Primesberger, John P., Travis Peterson, A. Roberto, Rob, you guys are the best. Thank you guys so much. Sorry for this very confusing reading. I did my best to translate the parts that mattered, but so much of it was so tedious and pointless. I didn't translate all of it. Sorry for that. But I will see you guys next week for some more of Pasal's ramblings. Ramblings.